welcome to the Ordinary Church Podcast, a discussion of God's extraordinary works through His ordinary ways. My name is Winston Weber, and I've got Mike Shera with me. How's it going, Mike? Good, Winston. Good to be with you today. I'm so excited about what we're doing today, about talking about the Trinity. That's right. This episode might as well be called Winston's Bad at Counting because this one's coming up a little bit later, and this is the closer you're going to get to an ordinary church live. So That's right. This is posting up today. Today. So you guys get a little peek behind the curtain. But that be that as it may, the Trinity, Mike, you have been preaching on the Trinity for three weeks now. It's been three weeks. We three have two weeks. more to go. Very good. And we are talking about that. Why? I mean, the Trinity seems important. You've been preaching on it. It seems good, but mm -hmm. give me a foundation. Why do I even care? I have become convinced that understanding the Trinity uh, is key to understanding the Christian life. I didn't think that as strongly as before, before because I think I wasn't thinking as keenly about the Trinity as I ought to have been. And I think Isaiah 6 opened my eyes. I think that uh, looking at many passages in the New Testament opened my eyes. I think some of my fellow pastors have helped me and encouraged me, and some significant writers have encouraged me in becoming convinced. And again, the scriptures convince us and convict us and comfort us and challenge us. And even as I've been preaching on the Trinity, I've tried to address it from, here's what the Bible says about how God has revealed himself and tried not to do such a clinical look or a, even an apologetic look at the Trinity, but like, behold your God. That's why we called the, the title of the series, Behold Your God. And so I started in Isaiah 6 and just said, let's just look at God, take a step back and look at who God has revealed himself to be. Holy, 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 holier, holiest. And the main point there was that God's holiness basically drives us to be humble and to serve his purposes. Mm. So when we're talking about the Trinity, we're not simply talking about something that is explained in seminaries, maybe at, at the higher ups of church life. This is something that impacts the ordinary believer. Hence, we're talking about it on ordinary church, right? Sure. They should be teaching this in the seminaries. And I believe they are in many places that it should be heart level, scripture based. And how does this affect the believer on a daily basis. That's why when we looked at God the Father, and I've been anchored in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 5, in the context of Paul and this heartfelt letter to these new believers, and basically Paul is being falsely accused by some and by opponents, and he's basically rehearsing to them how tight their relationships were, but all because of the gospel, all because of God. And right at the beginning, he basically busts out with, Look, um, it's because of the triune God that we have such unity and that we have our life in Christ. And so when we talked about God the Father, I said, look, God is a loving, present, choosing Father that causes his children to thrive in Christ. Mm. When I talked about God the Son, it's like Jesus is the powerful, perfect, promised, personal Savior. Yes, I alliterated those, but the fact that he is God the fact that he is with us, the fact that he was promised by the, the prophets, and, and the fact that, that um, he's personal, that he knows us, that he is walking with us. And that's the thing about the, the Holy Spirit that I want to bring out this Sunday, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling every believer. He's not a force. Mm. He's one of the persons of the Godhead. And, and the biggies that you have to remember about the Trinity, right? There is the one being that is God. There are three persons, and those three persons are co-equal and co-eternal. Mm, very good. So 
you just gave a really good rundown of everything that is important about the Trinity. Are are you simply getting this from like just different scholars? Is it you're mentioning the Bible? That's a bad way to say it. Let me pull that out again. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, you get to listen to unedited. So you obviously brought this out of the Bible, but are there other resources you've been pulling from to kind of help you explain what's been going on in the Trinity in the Bible? Absolutely. So for example, I go to the systematic theologies, go to uh, MacArthur and Mayhew's Biblical Doctrine, go to Lewis Burkhoff's Systematic Theology. Those are the two I've gone primarily to, but also R.C. Sproul's book, Everyone's a Theologian. Also Burkhoff's uh, Summary of Christian Doctrine. That's a, a shorter version of the larger work. But I would say that I've been resting most heavily on three primary works and really, and Winston knows this listeners, but I told him, I said, I want to highlight three very necessary, very helpful books that I think every Christian needs to read regarding the Trinity. Mm. And these are the three that I've leaned the most heavily on. And I'm going to go, I think, in the order of um, how they've been affecting me in my heart and how I've been reading them, okay? Not the order of which I first read them, okay? okay? One is a newer book. The next one is a book about 20 years old. And the other one is a very old book. I think that book might be... Uh... 25 to 30 years old at this point. James White, yeah. 1998. Yeah. Oh. 1998, yes. Oh, yes. So whatever that is. Yeah, 22. almost 30 years. Ugh. Yeah. So is it over 30 years? No, 22. 22, 22 okay. Yeah, I'm not as bad at math as I thought. <laughs> so the first book I want to highlight, listeners, is called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. And if you could see this, uh, if this was like Facebook Live or something, you'd be able to see this. But Winston is seeing this now that pretty much Almost every page is written on here. It looks like underlined. all your other books. Uh, <laughs> all my other books, yeah, I know. I think you've written more in books than you've written outside of books. Probably so. probably so. And let me just say this, that I use my books as journals and I write all over the margins and I write thoughts that I'm going to put into sermons or blogs or even just thoughts that edify me that, that I think are helpful. You know, I have, for example, in, in the first inside cover, it says this, aha, uh, fits like a glove, of course. And what is it? I said, the Trinity sermons. This will be different than you expect. Not a systematic theology of the Trinity, more a tour de force on the beauty of God. Mm. The beauty of God. That I want Christians to say, aha, yes, that's what God is like. So Michael Reeves, his book called... Delighting in the Trinity. Delighting in the Trinity. What has stood out from that book for you that made you go, wow, this actually mm -hmm. matter. The Trinity actually matters. Yeah, two, two things, really. And, and one, you just take a step back, and it's just the way he writes, okay? Uh, some people just write in a way that captures your attention. And uh, the first line of the book, God is love, those three words could hardly be more bouncy. Mm. He captured me. He had me at bouncy, okay? It was like, <laughs> what? And then he says, they seem lively, lovely, as warming as a crackling fire. But God is a Trinity? No, hardly the same effect. That just sounds cold and stodgy, all quite understandable. But the aim of this book is to stop the madness. Mm. Yes, the Trinity can, presented, can be presented as a fusty and irrelevant dogma, but the truth is that God is love because God is a Trinity. Wow. I read that and I'm like, okay, I'm hooked. Yeah. And every page, the other thing that he's brought out in this book that startled me at first and then I remembered, because I've met Michael Reeves and I've uh, been able to sit under his teaching uh, in a class uh, previously for a week. And what struck me about him, he's a very humble man. He's, he's a British man. He's from England. And he started talking about how Islam is different than um, Christianity because they have a different God than the God of the Bible. 
And I brought this out one of in one of my sermons. I said, look, I have said this before that, oh, Muslims worship the same God as us because they accept the Old Testament. And that's just not true because they deny the Trinity. The Quran basically tells you, don't say Trinity because God is not begotten, nor does he beget. And the idea that a single person God such as they have cannot be loving and cannot save and can only require your salvation from you, like force you to work for your salvation. And so that's probably the biggest thing I got out of this is that he keeps coming back to, look, God is a Trinity and it must be a Trinity to save. God must be Trinity. Yeah. So it must be Trinity. I appreciate that so much because sometimes this doctrine really can seem distant and Mm -hmm. like not very important. But if we are to believe that God is love, we have to, have to believe he is triune absolutely Mm -hmm. and the other thing i want to clarify what i just said i said it must be trinity what i mean is aha it must be trinity i'm not saying that god is it and one of the things that comes out loud and clear in this book and should and comes loud out clear in the bible is that the three persons of the trinity are not it's no they are persons and the holy spirit is not an it the holy spirit is a person the holy spirit wills wills uh, gives to the every believer gifts as he wills the holy spirit uh, speaks the word, the Holy Spirit comforts, the Holy Spirit indwells us. And so now that's big. God is not it. God is yeah. he. Absolutely. So that's Michael Reeves. Michael Reeves. Very great book. Delighting in the Trinity. Pick it up. Excellent Required book. reading. Yes. Uh, the next book is? The Forgotten Trinity. I'm going to call this a modern day classic. This is by James White. And it's The Forgotten Trinity, Recovering the Heart of Christian Belief. Mm-hmm. By the way, going back to Reeves' book, the tagline is delighting in the Trinity, but the the underlying line on that is it's an introduction to the Christian faith. Like if you want to understand the Christian faith, understand the Trinity. So James White, I read this years ago and then been rereading it. And I, I told Winston, told you this earlier, uh, but listeners, I, I basically said, wow, I read it. And then I thought, well, it's, it's an okay book. It's good. It's kind of nuts and bolts. It's kind of, you know, um, kind of dry. Oh no, it's very, very personal. Yeah. Very, very personal. So this time through, I think I'm just reading it with a different lens, I guess, and reading it more at face value. And he is just excellent at answering some really good apologetic questions. He's excellent at laying out um, some really good uh, backgrounds on Greek words. He basically um, clears up some misunderstandings that many Christians have. This is great if you're dealing with non-believers or people that are claiming things about the Trinity that are false. So James White's book, The Forgotten Trinity, must be on every Christian's bookshelf. So Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves and then The Forgotten Trinity by James R. White. Yeah, that was something that I I, I haven't read Reeves' book yet. I I know it's required reading. I'll I'll jump on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'll get you a copy today before you leave. Excellent. So uh, I have read The Forgotten Trinity. And one thing that he brought out so much is that the Trinity is heart of the gospel. Yes. The gospel is distinctly Trinitarian. And it's because of what Jesus says in John 17, 3. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you have you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Amen. That is a distinctly Trinitarian prayer given by one of the members of the Trinity. Yes. We have to believe in the Trinity in order to believe that the gospel is a saving gospel. Absolutely. Sorry. Well said. My rant. <laughs> well said. In fact, and, and the verses I've been preaching the last several weeks 
Um, Paul says, we give thanks to God always for you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father, so there's the Father, your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. There's God the Son, and you've got, it's personal, our God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. And then we know, brothers beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And this was written like AD 50, 51. Yeah. And they had the Old Testament on the Holy Spirit. They had some writings on the New Testament. This was relatively this early. Been one of the first ones, yeah. But they would have witnessed what happened in the book of Acts. And so, and all those things that were attributed to the Holy Spirit. So right. it's just beautiful. It's, it's totally beautiful. Now, you said you had three books for me. What's your third book? I did. Okay. So the last one, and you know that I like John Owen a yeah. lot. No. John Owen. This is a Puritan paperback by Banner of Truth Trust. And basically, anything they put out is really good and they reprint the Puritans. And so this is a, an abridged and made easy to read version by R.J.K. Law. And interestingly about that is you read it and you're like, wow, this is, this is like tough exercise reading this. <laughs> this has been abridged. Okay. Okay. They've softened it for us because we don't read uh, like people did in the past. And, and we think we are so educated and we don't realize how much we don't know. That's right. But this is called Communion with God and it's it's absolutely excellent. It's it's nuts and bolts on the Trinity with the with just a the the it goes straight to the heart. Yeah. And I, I think the original title of this book was really long, like three sentences long. <laughs> that sounds uh, like you know John when Owen. it was first written. Uh, John Owen lived you know in the 1600s, um, and um, he died August 23rd, 1683. So, you know this is a guy that lived a long time ago and gave the church uh, by by God's. Power, he gave the church a lot of uh, rich treasures of writing. Give us one of those rich treasures. What was one that was like, wow, <laughs> that hit me? Well, okay, let me just read. This is from page 169, the foundation of our communion with the Holy Spirit, okay? The idea that he was sent by Christ to be our comforter and our helper. Mm. And just, I'll just read you a couple lines. The Holy Spirit is promised to the elect as the spirit of sanctification to convert them and make them believers. The Holy Spirit is also promised as the spirit of comfort and help to believers to give them the privileges of the death and purchase of Christ. It is as the spirit of comfort and help that he is spoken of here. Just the idea that, you know, I'm bringing out nine distinct functions of the Holy Spirit, actions of the Holy Spirit this Sunday. And so listeners, if you hear this uh, tomorrow, you know, today on Thursday, uh, be looking forward to Sunday, be praying for the preaching on Sunday that it's clear. I'm going to be talking about how the Holy Spirit is God and the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force, but also nine distinct functions of the Holy Spirit. I got a lot of my material from John Owen. Mm. Okay, He really outlines it well. And again, this is an abridged uh, copy. And so I'll tell you, it's it's easier to read, but it is the hardest of these three books to read. Yeah. Okay, Does that make sense? Um, I'm going to read you one more. Go for it. Now, this is an interesting one because we ask this question sometimes, do I pray to God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? Here's John Owen's take on it. He says, we are to pray to the Father and to the Son for the Spirit as sent by them. So Luke 11, 13, where, where Jesus says, so much more will the Father give the Spirit to those who ask him. This is not a second blessing, okay? This is the idea of praying to the Father through Jesus in the power of the Spirit. But this is what it says. The Holy Spirit being God is no less to be prayed to and called upon than the Father and the Son. When we pray to the Spirit, we remember He is God over all, blessed forever. 
But when we pray for him from the Father and Son, we pray for him as sent by the Father and the Son to complete the work of salvation in us. Mm. Like we're literally saying, Lord, continue to sanctify me. I know you are, and I praise you for doing it, and I'm yielding to that work. Interesting, yeah. That, yes. That's an easy thing for anybody to do is to overemphasize one person of the Trinity and uh, or underemphasize. That's a possibility too. Mm-hmm. I've had some people say, you can't ever pray to the Holy Spirit because there's no scriptures that pray to the Holy Spirit. It's like, he is still God. It's okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so. and, exactly. And I'll tell you what, you know, uh, it's really clear in the Bible that we have fellowship with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And I love this. Of the very end of 2 Corinthians, and let's just end this program with sure. this. The 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. And listeners, that is our prayer for you, that the love of the Holy Spirit would be with you all. And so we hope that you've enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you wanted to get into contact with us, you can do so by emailing us at ordinarychurch at gmail.com. Thank you so much, Mike, for uh, explaining the Trinity with us. Yes, this was fun today. Thanks, Winston. Absolutely. And until next Thursday, we hope you'll remain faithful or join us as we remain faithful even in the ordinary. See, I got there. Bye.